We're going to begin a brand new series uh, in the month of uh, May called Living Generously. And I want to, uh, first of all, say thank you to our staff who so generously allowed me to go and follow the voice of the Lord. Uh, last week, I went to go uh, to, a, uh, to a funeral of, uh, of a couple who was near and dear to us a little over 20 years ago. Uh, the, this widow, she's now a widow, uh, her husband uh, used to worship in my living room. She actually got born again in my living room about 23 years ago. Um, I, when I heard about this tragedy, I was really heartbroken, but it was several states away, and I didn't know, know if I was going to be able to go. And, and so I spoke with her, and I said, I, I gave her the old Christian thing that you say to every problem. You know, it's just that Christian ease that flows out of you. I'll pray about it. Now, I knew I had to be honest with the Lord and actually pray, and when I prayed that night, the Lord gave me a dream and it showed me standing in the funeral preaching the gospel. I had not been asked to preach at this funeral. They had a pastor. So I'm like, Lord, I woke up from that dream. I'm like, okay, I'm going, but Lord, you're going to have to make that happen. You're going to have to make that happen. So I just said, I just sent a message. I said, hey, by the way, uh, I will be there. Uh, and uh, if you need me to do anything, I'd be willing to. She went to that pastor. This pastor says when she, be, she began to describe how she got born again in my living room 23 years ago, the Lord spoke to him. Now, he doesn't come from kind of our spirit-filled background where we feel like we hear, hear the Lord all of the time. He, he called himself a spiritual mutt, by the way. He says, oh, I, I'm a kind of a spiritual mutt. But when she spoke these words to me that you were coming, I heard the Lord say clearly, this man is to preach the gospel at the funeral. And then I, then I said, oh, good. Well, <laughs> good. Now, let me tell you what happened. Listen, because of the generosity of this church and our staff, I got to preach the gospel. This, this young woman, Michelle, gave her life to the Lord about 22, 23 years ago in my living room. And as a result of preaching the gospel that day, in the, her, uh, that day at the funeral, her father, all these years later, opened his heart to the gospel. Let me just tell you. Let me tell you. It was worth it. All of the driving, the rain was horrendous. It was worth it. And I want to tell you, what we're going to talk about over this next month is how God will supernaturally move through a church that lives generously. And, and if you have your Bible, I want you to go uh, to a couple of different passages. You can go to Matthew 7 and Luke 6, and then we're going to spend some time looking at Deuteronomy 15. So those three passages, if you bring it up on the Bible app, all the, no all the notes will be there if you use it that way. Go to calvary.online, click today's message, the notes will be there. Now, um, whenever I, uh, as, as the beginning of this sermon, I, I, I wanted to actually get to something that was very rudimentary, something very basic that has application to every single person. And so today I'm going to share with you a sermon called The Heart of the Matter. The heart of the matter. When it comes to living generously, generosity is a heart issue. Now, I want you to look at me, uh, look with me at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2. 
By the way, I believe that this is the most memorized verse in the Bible. How do I know this? Because not only do believers know this verse, but unbelievers quote this verse to believers all of the time. They misquote it. However, it is the most memorized and the most quoted verse, I believe, in all of the Bible. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Here's what it says. Maybe you should say verse 1 with me. Judge not that you be not judged. Okay, I know you probably heard that uh, as an answer to somebody that you were trying to bring correction to or trying to help out or trying to reach, you know, you know, you know, and, and what that means, they were really just trying to write their own Bible verses. I wish you would stay out of my business. Okay. That's really what they were saying. Okay. Uh, but judge not lest you be judged. Notice verse two for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I have a question. This isn't a trick question. Okay, I'm going to say that in advance. This is like me giving you an answer to a quiz whenever you, you didn't know the quiz was coming, but I'm giving you the answer in advance. This is not a trick question. Do you see money anywhere in this passage? The answer is no. Okay. Now I'm going to ask a, a, a little deeper question. I think all of you can answer this. What is the subject of Matthew chapter 7? It is? Okay, I, I can see a few of you still need some help. You didn't know that you were going to be picking, picking out, uh, you know, actually what the subject of sentences were. Some of us need to go back and learn how to diagram a sentence. Mostly everybody who is still in school now and those of us who went to school before, we learned how to diagram a sentence. Okay, anyways. Let me, let me give you what the subject of Matthew 7 is. I'll help you with a little emphasis. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I want to take you to the parallel passage in Luke. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Anybody remember what it said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1? It said what? What was the, what was the subject? Okay. Luke 6, 37, the beginning of it says what? Judge not, and you shall not be judged. All right, stop right there. That's the beginning. Now, we're going to look at the end of verse 38. And it says this for, this, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. All right. Now we see. This is the same conversation that Jesus was having. This is the same as Matthew 7. And yet, anytime we read Luke chapter 6, verse 38, we sometimes kind of get it twisted. 
So let's, let's look at it in its entirety and see what's right there in the middle. Luke 6, 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask asked you a few minutes ago, the answer's the same, you're going to get a hundred. <laughs> Is money mentioned in this passage? No. So that means the subject of both Matthew 7 and Luke 6 is what is flowing out of your heart. It's what's flowing out of your heart. So those of you who love to quote Luke 6.38, when you're standing on the word and believing for increase, by the way, there is an application to use this verse for financial increase. I don't want to give you the English reason why, because it says give and it. It. That's a pronoun. I'm going to give it to you anyway. It's a pronoun that has to be replaced by something. Whatever the it is. It's really whatever you're giving. Whatever is flowing out of your heart. It's whatever is coming out of your heart. So let me, let me give you an idea about what this could mean if you're handling this the wrong way. Judge, and you will be judged. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will judgment be put into your bosom. Do you see that? that he says, hey, if you're filling, you, 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 if, if condemnation's flowing out of you, however, forgive, and what? You'll be forgiven. How much? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall forgiveness be put in? Now, does that apply also to generously giving of your resources? The answer is yes. But, but a greater understanding of this passage is that Jesus wants to deal with the heart of his followers. It has an application to this area, but he wants to get to the heart of the matter. It is completely about the heart. Now, if you're here and you're wondering, you know, you're new here to Calvary, and you're wondering, okay, all right, preacher, how much do you preach on giving? I am going to unapologetically say every time I turn on the mic. Because you can't give a teaching on prayer without teaching about giving. Because I'm going to have to give myself to the Lord and give the time necessary to actually engage in prayer. I am going to have to give myself to compassion to pray for those who are in need. I can't teach you about prayer without dealing with the heart of generosity. Now what you meant to ask me was this. Preacher, how much are you going to preach on money? 
That's what you meant to ask. And here's what I'm going to say. We're really not that often. If you're, if you're looking for a, a sermon series on, on stewardship, maybe there's been some one-off messages. But uh, it, it's been a long time since we spent a, a dedicated time saying, God, all right, the, I want you to grow us in this area of generosity and stewardship. By the way, those two things go hand in hand. If, you're, if you could be a very generous person, but if you don't steward well, you're not going to enter into the blessing uh, that God has for you. Now, you may think of yourself as a really good steward, but you're not generous and you won't be blessed. Those two must go hand in hand. We're going to talk about that in the, in the weeks to come. Now, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 15, because if this is an issue of the heart, we need to allow the word to work on our heart to kind of expose the things that we deal with so that we can walk in a greater sense of God's uh, grace to be generous. God's grace to steward those things that, that he has given us to steward. Deuteronomy chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 7. I'm going to make some statements, and we're literally going to read this passage together. We're just going to walk through it and grab hold of some of the truths from it, and I believe it's going to help all of us. Deuteronomy chapter 15, when it talks about helping our heart, changing our heart, dealing with what's going on in our heart, the first thing that Deuteronomy 15 is going to teach us is this. We need to deal with a selfish heart. We need to deal with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15 verse 7 says this. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of your gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your, what does that say? Heart. This is a heart issue. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him willingly. There's an act of will. That's a heart issue. Willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Now, by the way, right here, God calls selfishness wickedness. It's wicked. He says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of the release is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it becomes sin among you. Okay, here's what he says. This is referring to the idea that every seven years within Jewish culture, all debt is relieved. How many of you would like to go back to all debt being relieved every seven years? This is why we need to preach on stewardship. <laughs> so here's this within Jewish culture. There's a poor man. But this person knows, man, in just a few months... This year of jubilee, this year of release is now coming. And if I've loaned him this money, he's not obligated to give it back to me. God says that is a wicked thought which becomes sin. It's selfish. Now, we are... Literally born selfish. 
We're born selfish. I actually uh, totally believe that the idea of building walls was started by very small children. Because if you have more than one child, they will be marking out their territory. And they will, will, they will write down a system of immigration in order to come into their space. You must knock on the door. If I don't answer you, you may not come in. They're building walls. This is mine. This is my room. This is mine, mine, mine. Children learn that right after dada. Mine, mama, somewhere in there. We're born selfish. Now, I, I do want to kind of, I do want to kind of, uh, just for a moment, um, speak to the wives in here for a moment, okay? On behalf of all of the husbands and men in here, because ladies, we really want to bless you next week because it's Mother's Day. Don't say I didn't tell you. It's Mother's Day next Sunday. And so, but because I want to I wanna bless all of the women in here and talk to you about a level of selfishness that many men may struggle with their whole life. Women, listen. We may never want to share our food with you. I, I, I just need to tell you. I, I need to tell you that. So when we're ordering and you say, I'll just have some of yours. I know what you're doing. You are really trying to grow us in generosity. Because I now have learned, after just a couple of decades of being married, that what it would be much better for me personally if I just go ahead and order two of whatever that is. Now, I know I've heard this from my wife, and she's sitting on the front row, so I'm not going to look her in the eye. But there have been times when we've been at a restaurant and I'm ordering and I'm a little bit of a foodie and kind of give specific orders wherever I go because I like the way I like my food and I kind of peruse the menu and I'm going to find whatever is incredible at that restaurant and I'm going to help them make it better. Okay, that's, my, that's, that's one of my spiritual gifts, okay? And so whenever I finish my order, I have heard early on in our marriage, I used to hear this, oh... I'm glad you ordered that. I want to try that. Well, then you should order it. Because what I want, I ordered. 
In first service, there was a woman on the front row that said, it's not the same. I'm like, it is. It's the same. It will come out the same. It will be the same. I promise. I say all of that to say we are born with a level of selfishness. However, we are born again generous. The, uh, Peter writes in his epistle, he says that we have been made partakers of the divine nature through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. I get to partake of the generous nature of God should I open the door to that grace. And if you'll open the door to that grace, by the way, and be born again, you'll see the generosity that God demonstrated toward mankind begin to manifest in your life. So you have to deal with a, a selfish heart. Now next, as we keep reading through Deuteronomy 15, you find that you actually have to deal with a grieving heart. A grieving heart. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 15 says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart, here's the heart spoken of again, should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Let me give you this, this clue according to Deuteronomy 15. Selfishness shows up before you give and another demon called grief shows up after you give. Anybody ever d did something that you felt like God was calling you to do and immediately after you did it, your washing machine at home broke? The car broke down, something happened, and immediately in your heart, you're like. Yep. <laughs> that could have went to that for me. You know what that is? That's grief over something you did in obedience to the heart that God told us to possess the heart by which God said, I will bless everything that you put your hand to if you live this way. Now, one of the things that I, I, I really like to do, and I can almost get myself into trouble with it, is for me personally, uh, I, can, I can give away cash, which is why most of the time I don't have it on me. But purposefully... <laughs> I love to just brighten somebody's day by giving them a $20 bill. <laughs> somebody's like, yes. Now, I don't have cash on me. I love this guy. Come on, $20 bill. That's amazing. All right, we'll move on. All right, Eric, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Um, are you grieving over giving me that $20 bill? Oh. Do you know why Eric's not grieving over giving me that $20 bill? Because I gave it to him before the service.
Do you know why your heart should never grieve when you give? Because God gave it to you to begin with. You say, well, no, that was my money. No, Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything in it and all who live in it. They all belong to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. Everything is his. Now listen to me. That is why you should never grieve when you return the tithe. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. You can't give the tithe. You can only give what belongs to you. There's only two things you can do with the tithe, and we'll talk about this in the, in, uh, later on in this series. You can either steal it or you can return it. Why? It doesn't belong to you. What Eric did is he actually returned what belonged to me, and as a result, there was no grief associated with his generosity. Now, I know, listen, I know right now you're, you're thinking, man, I wish he'd help me be generous. Well, just ask your neighbor for their wallet and give like you've always wanted to. <laughs> Look at him. Tell him it's all his. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. So we have to deal with a selfish heart. We have to deal with a, uh, a, a grieving heart. But then we need to develop some things. We need to develop a generous heart. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about this over the, the coming weeks. But I just want you to see what God says here in his word in Deuteronomy 15. He says, if, he goes, you shall supply him, what, liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Listen, the reason we are generous is because God has blessed us. That is why we are generous. Now, we're going to spend some time about how we, how we can be generous and with what we can be generous in the coming days. So lastly, let me give you this, this, this last thought. So we need to develop a generous heart, but we also need to develop this. This is a grateful heart. We need to develop a grateful heart. Now, here's what you'll see from Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 15. We're just reading the next verse. It says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Let me give you three words to highlight here. Slave, redeem, and command. First, it says, for you were a slave. Now, none of us were in the kind of slavery that the Israelites were in when they were in Egypt. None of us have been in that kind of slavery. However, Romans 6 says that before Christ, we were all slaves to sin. We were all slaves to sin. And then what happened? The Lord your God redeemed you. He came, found you, 
and purchased you with a price that you could never personally pay. You were a slave to sin. God saved you. Therefore, he has commanded us to live generously. He's commanded us to live generously. You say, well, how do I develop this heart of gratitude? Here's, here's the, the most simple way I could tell you. Is never forget that you were saved. Never get over being born again. The church that never gets over being born again is the church that will live in generosity. But I believe that many believers, they give, they give their life to Christ and then they, they, they're like, this, the whole idea of generosity, you know, is like, oh no, you know, I can't do that. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do that. You know what? You have gotten over the generous gift of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're diminishing that value and we're not reflecting the character that brought us into the kingdom. Please be that one who says, I am never getting over the grace of God shown me in my life. I'm never getting over it. And if you never get over it, you will always be generous. You will always be generous. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave You were a slave. Remember, he redeemed you. Therefore, he says, church, I want your heart to be a heart of generosity.